live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome on this Thursday, June 23rd, the year 2022. Great to be with you. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 in Lafayette, also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, um, Peyton went to Tennessee, and Eli went to Ole Miss, and now Arch has opted out to uh, to go elsewhere. Um, he will take his quarterbacking talents and the family legacy to the University of Texas to play for Steve Sarkeesian. So the his favorite wide receiver the tight end from newman committed to texas and arch a few days later well today commits to the longhorns as well so we wish him all the very very best lsu made a a, a late effort to try to get involved apparently it was game, came down to uh, georgia and texas and steve sarkeesian wins it so by the time Texas comes into the SEC, Arch will uh, in all likelihood be the starting quarterback, and uh, we'll see what he can do. So uh, good for him. The NBA draft is tonight, and uh, projections are here, there, and everywhere. The Pels with the eighth overall pick in the first round. Do they stay put? Do they trade back? Uh, time will tell, but according to all those in the know, it looks like Jabari Smith from Auburn will be the number one pick in the draft, followed by Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga going to Oklahoma City, Paolo Bancaro of Duke going to the Houston Rockets. And then after that, <coughs> excuse me, I've got some um, ooh, got some issues. So if I cough today, and I will cough today, please bear with me. Um, it's uh, one of those things, you know, you can control what you can control. I can't control that right now. So um, we will get through it as best we can. But after the first three picks, then then everything is kind of mumbo jumbo. It just depends upon the team, their need, and what they like. And what they like. Uh, we'll have a lot of talk about the NBA draft. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights will join us here uh, in about 10 minutes. And then we'll... Uh, We'll talk more basketball, more centered around LSU players uh, with Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate. Uh, we'll talk about that. Talk about the job that um, Coach McMahon has done to this point in time and uh, uh, coming up with his staff and coming up with a team. He basically got on the job. Everybody left. I mean, everybody left. He had nothing. He had to, he had to get a team together. Now he's trying to get a schedule together. He's been a very, very 
busy man. Plus the the unveiling of the Pistol Pete statue uh, will be in the month of July. We'll talk about that as uh, as well. I'll share some stories about uh, the pistol. Um, hour number two, Michael Huguenin will join us. What uh, we'll talk all things college um, sports with Mike, and then Frank Schwab will join us from Yahoo Sports, and we'll talk all things in the NFL. Um, college World Series. Then there were three. Three teams still left in it, thanks to yesterday, saved by the bell, Zach Morris of the Arkansas Razorbacks closed the door on a late ninth inning rally by the Ole Miss Rebels to win it. You know, every game has been kind of a blowout, <coughs> excuse me, uh, until yesterday when Ole Miss rallied and got it to within a run, and then Zach Morris came in, the lefty from Arkansas, and closed the door. Now today at 3 o'clock, it's a one-game winner-take-all. Whoever wins it advances to the College World Series final to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma trying to do what the softball team did, and that's win the College World Series on the men's side. Uh, They've got the advantage. They've had a lot of time to rest. The College World Series finale starts best two out of three on Saturday, meanwhile, Arkansas and Ole Miss using all their pictures. So advantage to Boomer sooner. Uh, but we will see today if Ole Miss can hang around for one more. If they can win it, it'll be Dylan Delucia versus Connor Nolan. Oxford versus Fayetteville. Rebels versus Hogs. A Juco transfer in Delucia versus the former quarterback in Nolan. And... um the bracket buster, which is Ole Miss, versus the team rebounding from a heartbreak just a season before in Arkansas. So um, there will be one SEC team battling for the national championship. So, uh, but thanks to Zach Morris on a Wednesday, the Arkansas Razorbacks can live to play another day today. So that will begin at uh, 3 o'clock. Man, controversy on the ice, right? In the Stanley Cup, the Avalanche get a win in overtime, 3-2 to two over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The last goal scored with an extra player on the ice. The officials all admitted, all four of them admitted that they did not see it. They missed the call. What do you do? Well, you chalk it up and go from there. So um, Denver and the Avalanche in control, three games to one on that scene um lsu baseball saw its first picture enter the transfer portal following the news of jason kelly accepting the washington head coaching job lefty jacob hester hasty excuse me jacob hasty entered the portal he had a 3.55 era through 25 and a third innings as a, a tiger last season so um it just it's just the new way of the world people come people go um loyalty I, well it, th- there is no such thing everybody just wants to go play and everybody wants to go where they believe they have the best chance to play and will be where they'll be the most appreciated so we shall see um now hasty could return to the tigers um uh, I guess he's going to wait to see who the new pitching coach will be. <coughs> LSU already thin with left-handed relievers. That seems to always be the case. Um, but they do have five southpaws 
in its 2022 class. That's if all of them do come to LSU um, and not sign with some major league club. So stay tuned and uh, we'll wait and see on that. Terry Eason will be the first Tiger to be selected in the NBA draft. Where he'll go, uh, your guess is as good as mine. He's projected to be a mid-first rounder. So you would think 15, 16 to 20, something like that. Uh, so we shall see. Uh, Eason was named the top player and newcomer in the state by the Louisiana Sports Writers Association. So he, Darius Days, and Sharif O'Neal uh, will get things started 7 o'clock tonight with the NBA draft. So stick around and we'll see about that. Uh, those are your headlines of the day today brought to you by ooh, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, man, you just really can't shop right at all. You know, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or, excuse me, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, You'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 11 minutes after the hour on this 23rd day of June. This month is flying by, flying by. Uh, we'll talk NBA drafts, specifically the Pelicans. Who could it possibly be? And some big, tall, young one that wowed the Pels at a workout in Miami. We'll get the lowdown from Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. After this timeout, the Jordy Helper Show on the game. Uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we get things started off on this Thursday with the NBA draft that will take place starting at 7 o'clock tonight. It won't take long because the Pelicans, thanks to the Anthony Davis deal with the Los Angeles Lakers, will have the eighth pick in the draft. The Pelicans, um, man, they have less of a major need at any particular position than all the other lottery teams. They've got four, maybe five surefire starters in the fold. They've got a lot of young talent at every position. So where do the Pels go with this, depending upon, of course, who's on the board? Ali Cassell, our NBA analyst for the Pelicans from uh, at the Bird Rights is kind enough to join us on a very exciting day. It's always fun when you're up there toward the top. It's even more fun, Ali, when you're up there at the top and you've got a pretty darn good team. So it's a very unusual scenario. But uh, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. And you're right. It's rare to see a playoff team getting a high lottery pick. And that's what the Pelicans are about to do in a few hours. 
So tell me about this. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Usman Dieng, who apparently a private workout in Miami several weeks ago, according to people in the know, kind of made the made the Pell's brass go. Wow. They kind of like this guy. Yeah, he's moved his stock upwards over the last few weeks a lot. So much so that he's now being considered possibly of going off the board first at number eight. And I've heard the same. I've heard that the Pelicans really like him. So if Benedict Matherin and both Dyson Daniels, those two are off the board, they're likely going to look in Dean's way, and they're going to draft him. He's a kid that you know a lot of people, of course, don't know much about, and that's because he played in the NBL down there in the Australian League for the New Zealand Breakers. Young kid, just played one season there with him, and he didn't do too much, uh, especially early. Uh, it took him a while to get going down there. You know, he wasn't posting these crazy, you know, game, game stat lines, right, with the points, blocks, steals, you name it, rebounds and assists. But what he looks like is a very fluid 6'9", 6'10", athlete that can do a whole lot of different things. You know, I watch a couple of games of his just to familiarize myself. And I saw a kid, honestly, that looks like a Nick, Nicholas, young Nicholas Batum who can bring the ball up, can make plays, right, so he can act as a point guard for you. But he's got that length, right, to be a very disruptive defender. He's got that thin body, but I think it's going to fill out a little bit over time. But he's a project. I think that's the biggest takeaway I have, that he's a project, and he's nowhere near as close as, say, a Dyson Daniels or Jeremy Sohan, for me, who I rank higher. Yeah, so, I mean, I would imagine in a situation where the Pels are, hey, we got to win, and we've got to win now, is it, is it the right thing to do to take a project or do you take somebody that you know um, is going to at least give you some minutes? It's a long, long NBA season. Uh, I would think you'd want somebody at number eight that can step in and come play right away. I'm with you. Or at least somebody that can come in, you know, learn the system, isn't pressed right. into action right away because of how deep they are, but he's ready to contribute the following year, maybe towards the end of this season. As for Yang, I didn't get that sense at all. You know, he played against lesser competition down there, and that, therefore I think that helped him look better on video than, honestly, he is, right? So, yeah, I'm with you. you this team's built to win now, and you've only got 15 roster spots, so why are you going to spend on somebody that's not yeah. going to play for you for a few years when, like I said, everything's geared towards winning a championship now? You've got to maximize all those spots. So really, for Yang, if they were to choose him, I really hope he turns into a really almost – close to a star because otherwise it makes absolutely no sense at all i'm with you i in my perfect world i like matherin from arizona uh, i mm -hmm. like his scoring ability i like his um reminds me of, of a faster quicker anthony edwards from minnesota guy that can score can shoot from outside can take the. that's my pick that's who i like unfortunately i don't think he's going to be around at number eight no he was my first pick. When I first started looking at prospects, I had Matherin sitting at the top, right? Next to mm -hmm. Shaden Sharp, I wanted Matherin. I wanted somebody that he felt like had sharp potential, or very least, is going to be a heck of a shooter that's going to help this squad that can't shoot the ball very well. But, you know, as we've come through this process, and over the last few weeks especially, Matherin, it looks like he's going to go anywhere between five and seven. You know, he's just not going to be there, Jordy. So I didn't even include yeah. him in an article I posted today. That's why I'm focused on Daniels or Sohan. I'm almost, I'm like 99% positive that Matherin's not going to be there, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, do you know how many players the Pelicans actually worked out? A 
Oh, it's a ton. Every year, Jordy, they work out anywhere from, say, 40 to 60 players, right? So you're not just looking at first-round okay. picks. You're looking also, because they have two second-rounders, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you're looking for two-way contract player uh, player statuses to fill out as well. So it was a ton of guys. There's no sense in going over the entire list, right. honestly. Right. Okay. Have there been some nibbles uh, from other teams wanting to get the eighth pick from the Pelicans in exchange for maybe trading down and getting a player? I heard Cam Johnson's name bandied about a little bit from from the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that came up when the thought was the Phoenix Suns looked like they were possibly going to resign DeAndre. So for that to happen, they would have had to clear some space. Otherwise, they're going to pay a heck of a nice luxury tax. And one of the ways of doing that is, of course, dangling Cam Johnson, who has value around the league. Well, mm-hmm. since that report was published, they've pretty much pulled back on that because it sounds like they're not going to resign Aiton. So obviously they're going to keep Cam Johnson now. But I'm not sure how, honestly, how much interest the Pels would have had. Because for me, Cam Johnson's a prototype, you know, exact prototype of a Trey Murphy. Thank and you, you don't really want two guys out there doing the exact same thing, especially at what Cam Johnson's going to be making soon. So. I, I didn't really like the deal to begin with, but there has been other nibbles, Jordy. For instance, I think the biggest one's OKC. They are really pining to get not only Shet Holmgren at two, but they want to move up to eight to land either Matherin or Shaden Sharp, whether that's eight, seven, or six. And the Pelicans, there's the, there was the thought for the longest time that Sharp would fall to eight. If that was the case, well, it makes sense for the Pelicans to trade him because Sharp's a long-term project. I don't think they want him. There hasn't been that much interest by the Pels I've heard either in him. And then you just move down to 12, and then maybe you can get Jeremy Sohan or this DN guy at 12 while getting a future asser, maybe even a good player too, say like a Luke Dort that can help you now. So that one, that, that deal potentially I like, right? Okay. Huh. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, we're talking with Ali Cassell from at, at the Bird Rights. Um, is it safe to say the Pels have their starting lineup already intact for next year, or do you see a position battle brewing somewhere? No, 100%. It's set in stone. Write it. Just make sure the guys are all healthy right, to start yeah. the season. That's the biggest thing with this team. Very good. So that would be uh, C.J. McCollum and Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. A big fella. Yeah, my, with, the, with the perfect hair. And then you've got, uh, you've got the backups and all. Um, so, you know, I... I <sighs> I still think they need shooters, man. I still that's why I like Matherin so much. Um, I'm not so sure that the the kid that played for the New Zealand Breakers uh can handle that. Um, I'm not so sure uh the big point guard from Australia can handle that. Uh, I mean, are they yeah. are they good shooters? Is is Dyson Daniels a shooter? Here's here's my thought, Jordy, behind this. If you can't land and shore up your biggest weakness right away, like they could have with Matherin where you're going to go for the next best thing um, in terms of trying to shore up another weakness. And that, to me, is honestly having a Draymond Green, that type of player, on the court in finishing moments. We've seen traditional fives. They're just not closing out games, and Valanciunas is no different. So you need somebody, that, like I said, that can play and cover, be versatile enough to cover You know, all those defensive positions, at least three through five. Because Zion, he hasn't proven to be a good defender. Neither has Brandon Ingram. So... While Herb Jones is great, he's not enough. And that's one thing I learned watching the Warriors play, the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat. New Orleans needs some more defenders, especially with the finishing five. That's why I really like Sohan. I've heard a lot of comparisons of him. He's, he, he could be a hybrid of between Draymond Green and Boris Diaw. 
And that gets me excited because not only could he defend yes. all five spots, he can make a play. And I watched a couple of his games. He does. He's got the ball handling ability, the passing ability, and he's, his IQ is off the charts. He understands and reads the game so well. So he could be a closer with you, that perfect connector for that team of superstars that the Pels have along with Herb. And, you know, I can't blame him for going down that road because you can't get the shooting thing short the next best thing and hope that you can internally develop some better shooting on your team, right? Because they're a bunch of young guys. I've got to think some of them are going to improve. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I know Scott Drew pretty well, and I, I asked him about him. He said he's just um, he's got a great feel for the game. Um, yes. he's versatile. He can, he can guard multiple positions, do many things, and he's competitive as all get out. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that thought. Um, it seems to me that's a guy that can step in and get you good minutes right away. Cause I'm, I'm not buying in this thing about projects and down the road and all I, you know, mm-hmm. you got to strike now while the iron is hot and you got a shot here. I, I, I just need somebody else that can give you the depth that you need, because I'm not sold on some of these guys that are coming off the bat. You know, I like Alvarado. I like Murphy. I think Nance is good. Uh, after that, you know, I'm not. Uh, exactly. And who knows what's going to happen with Jackson Hayes. And I, I, I hope Devontae Graham finds his way somewhere else. I just don't know who wants somebody like that. Exactly. I'm with you. Jackson Hayes is the one that's disappointed, honestly, the most. He has not fulfilled the role that he was drafted for. And that's why I like Sohan, because I feel like he could step into that, like I said, being a big man defender that can cover anybody, but give you something on offense, too. And hopefully, you know, with Fred Vincent on the sidelines, maybe he could develop an average jumper. You know, both uh, Daniels and Sohan, Jordy, their jumpers are not broken. It's not nearly as bad as Herb Jones's was, or Lonzo Ball when they came to the Pelicans. Look, Look how well they shot the ball after working with Vincent. So I've got hope that he could help either one of those guys out. And like I said, that's where you have to hope for internal development and improvement to shore up that three-point shooting. Because unless the Pels get somehow lucky and Devontae Cram finds, you know, an elixir where they can move him for some legitimate shooting, yeah. you, that's the only thing you can rely upon is, is that internal development. And the Pels have uh, a track Pel- record. Let's say the that. The Pels also have the 41st pick and the 52nd pick. That's where I think you go when you get the, the guys that need development and that you, you see a little bit in them that, that appeals to you. And you get them in that G League team and you turn them loose and see what happens there. But do you think there's anything of real value at 41? Honestly, I don't. I mean, I've heard that there's some names, like, for instance, people have talked about a Patrick Baldwin, you know, who was highly touted coming out of high school, but disappointed like crazy um, Mm -hmm. in his one year over in Milwaukee. There's been some other players, right? But they have question marks, like Christian Coloco. I think he's a nice, you know, fluid, dynamic center. He can step out, maybe shoot a little bit. He's a good length, right, can defend the rim. The Pels need one of those guys, especially if they move off of Jackson Hayes. But I don't know, Jordy. They all seem like projects. They all have weaknesses. Yeah. So you have to find another diamond in the rough like Herb. And honestly, no one stands out like Herb, like, you know, a four-year senior that can step right in because he's got an NBA-ready skill. There aren't that many guys around like that. Right, right. I'm with you. If you had the first pick in the draft, who would you pick? I would take Jabari Smith. Okay. I just really like him. I think he's going to become a star with his shooting ability and his touch and work ethic. Everything I've heard about him and read about him, he seems like a guy that's going to grow into an all-star in this league. And I, and I like his ceiling much higher than Holmgren's. Bancaro's not bad, but I don't think defensively he's got what it takes. So he's going to be pretty much a one-way guy. 
All right. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the order goes uh, starting uh, tonight with the Orlando Magic. The, I think the last time they had uh, a number one pick, they took a guy named Shaquille O'Neal, at least one of the number one picks they had back in the day. Um, and who, who man, they, they broke that dance up pretty early. He and Penny Hardaway. But um, anyway, that's how it goes. We'll see. Well, there's it, always somebody later on, number six, number 10, that nobody talks about, but Three, four years down the road, you're going, man, man, we missed out on that guy. Um, so you never know. It's an inexact science, but I, it's always fun. And to, to make it full circle, you're, you're a team that got into the playoffs and you have the eighth pick overall. This doesn't happen all the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, go get the best player you think that can come in here and help you right here, right now. Don't get me a guy that's going to you're waiting two, three years down the road because who knows who's going to have a job by then, right? That, that's my thought hey. process. Yeah, exactly. And one good good barometer here is the fact that the Pels last year, they went for those guys that can help you win now. And they had a heck of a lot of a success. So you've got to think that's going to, you know, kind of go into their uh, preparation and, of course, what they do in this draft. I think that's got to factor a lot. Ali Cassell, you're the best. I know where you'll be this evening. I, I won't bother you, but I'll be watching. And if I, I tell you what, if, if Matherin is still around at number eight, I, I'm Ooh. text messaging you, big boy, because I'm going to say, there's my man. That's who I want. But I don't I'll think be it's tweeting it at the same time. You better believe it. They better grab him if he's there. <laughs> I hear you. I'm with you, buddy. Uh, Ali, thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks, Jordy. You do the same. You're the best. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Rescue Fest is Saturday at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. Uh, there'll be plenty of food, games, and even... A raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. Terry Eason, first round pick, middle first round pick. We'll uh, figure out where all the Tigers are going. Check up on uh, Coach McMahon and with the job he's done. And uh, the greatest college basketball player I've ever seen. His statue will be unveiled. Finally. The building's named after him. The statue's finally coming. And uh, we'll talk with Sheldon Mickles about all of that and much, much more as we take this time out. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back 36 minutes after the hour. Terry Eason, Darius Days, Sharif O'Neal. Um will i'm sure one will hear his name called tonight i'm not sure about the other two but let's talk a lot about lsu basketball with a man who does a tremendous job and has done it for a long long time covering lsu hoops that's for uh the advocate and that's our good friend sheldon mickles sheldon it's been way 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 too long how have you been sir i'm doing good jordy but i don't want to talk about basketball i want to talk about hockey right now my my car right now says it's 102 
So uh, let's talk some hockey. No, I'm just hockey. kidding. Well, there's controversy. <laughs> the Avalanche scored the winning goal in overtime, and they had a they had an extra uh, uh, player on the ice. So what do you do? I mean, all the zebras missed it. I know the uh, the, the zebras were uh, kind of. Uh, I guess I guess they were worried about the heat outside, also in in Tampa. <laughs> I heard uh, yeah. one of the players after the game talk about how the ice was bad. And uh, um, and I, I, it hit me that you know it's so humid and hot outside. I guess yeah. uh, it plays tricks with the ice. So uh, I don't, I'm not a physics major, but uh, I, I think I understand a little bit about heat and humidity. <laughs> I have played on some courts where they do play hockey, and they just put the wood over it, and it can get kind of uh, treacherous if you're not careful. Uh, Mother Nature always wins, but um, anyway, that it is what it is. So. Um, Terry Eason, um, your thoughts on him uh, projected to be a mid-first rounder? He certainly seems to me to have the body that you need to be able to play in the NBA. Yeah, especially with the length. And, uh, you know, he's 6'8". Uh, I, I looked it up yesterday. I checked it out. The combine stats, he was 6'6 six, six and three quarters with no shoes, but he was 6'8 with shoes. So wow. I guess they give him credit for the 6'8". But anyway... Um, you know, he's nice. He only has a 5.9% body fat, and he also Kinda has sounds a like you and me. two wingspan. That, that sounds like you and me, 5.9%. <laughs> when I was a baby, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, but he's he's got a 7-2 wingspan, which was one yeah. of one of the best in the uh, in the entire draft uh, at the entire combine. I want to say that the, the guy that was leading was like, Seven six maybe he has a seven six wingspan, wow. and uh, wow. there was several that had you know seven five seven fours, and uh, Tari Eason was one of the ones that was at seven two. So they they love his length, and then you look at him the way he's played defense. That's yeah. the thing that I think woke a lot of people up to him in the draft. Um, you know, I, I I checked it out yesterday also <clears throat> for a story I wrote this morning that when he came out. Uh, announced that he was coming out in the draft on March 25th. He was ranked, uh, or he was in the number 30 spot in the NBA draft.net, uh, mock draft. Okay. And, uh, now he's, you know, looking at mid, mid, you know, mid first round. And, you know, sometimes you, the way those things play out, I mean, you know, who would have thought Cam Thomas would have been 27th last year? Cause a lot of people were talking about him being, you know, 17, 18, somewhere in that yeah. area. And he dropped 10 more spots to the Nets. So you never know. It's just like the NFL, right. the draft. I guess. It depends on what teams need and, and, and what they want. It just depends yeah. on what people need at that particular spot. But, yeah, I would expect him to go uh, anywhere from, you know, probably 14, 15 up to 25. I, I would think he does not slide deeper than 25. I'm with you. They don't invite you to those uh, green rooms unless they anticipate you're going to be drafted and drafted in the first round. And I think he goes a lot higher than that. I think 20 is the max for him, um, 15 to 20, somewhere along those lines. Uh, and he's got an un underrated outside shot. Um, he got better as the year went on with his perimeter shooting, and he became kind of a factor uh, for uh, Will Wade and the Tigers. That was one of the things I saw in the uh, in the scouting, uh, you know, snippets I saw, you know, various uh, scouting snippets, including one on NBA.com. They like his perimeter game on offense and defense. Um, you know, they, yes. they like his long arms, his reach, obviously. 
Yeah, I mean, he averaged 1.9 steals a game last year and uh, 1.1 blocks a game. So uh, a six eight guy that's 217 getting almost yeah. two steals a game, I think is is pretty remarkable. And, and I think, like I said, I think when people started seeing him work out, uh, I believe he worked out for about a dozen teams. When people started seeing him work out, I think I think they got the full scope of what uh, you know we saw around here last right. year. I'm with you, uh, Sheldon Mickles. Kind enough to join us. Uh, does Darius Days hear his name among the, the 58 players that are going to be drafted? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, you either. love the guy. I love the guy. He's very, very nice. Uh, very nice kid, and um, yeah. you know, respectful of the media and stuff like that. Always had a smile on his face, but. You know, he's he's a tweener. I mean, you know yeah. how that goes. I mean, they they listed him at six seven, and I, I I didn't get the you know he didn't go to the big combine, so I didn't see what he officially you know his height is. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's kind of a tweener, and, and there's probably some questions about his shooting last year that are probably going to haunt him you know tomorrow mm-hmm. or tonight. But uh, I'm sure he's going to sign a, a free agent contract with somebody. Um, and, and the same goes for Sharif O'Neal. I mean, with all the injuries he's had, I mean, right. the name, probably somebody's going like, hey, what, you know, what do we lose by bringing him to the summer league, you know, yeah. in Las Vegas next month? You know, our, exactly. uh, you know, we, we, we can't, we can't go wrong. Uh, he's a legacy, you know, for goodness sake. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think he's going to get a shot with somebody, if not as a straight up free agent, uh, undrafted free agent. I think somebody will take him. You know, take a look at him in the summer league and see what he's got. I mean, it doesn't cost anything, as as, they, right. as they say. That's right. I'm with you 100. percent Sheldon Mickles, kind enough to join us. Um, let's talk about the new coach and, uh, and and you follow this program so closely, and you have dealings with. I I just am amazed that I've never seen anything quite like it. Where Matt McMahon comes on board, he's got zero players. He's got zero. He's got nothing. You talk about. I mean, only I think only Skip Burton might be able to uh, uh, define himself along those lines where they had nothing when he became the baseball coach. But what what kind of job has he done? He must he must not sleep, Sheldon. I mean, the guy has got to be working like <laughs> night and day. Well, Will Wade was legendary for not getting a lot of sleep, and then and I got to believe Matt McMahon's the same way. I mean, I, I I think I'm trying to think of it. I had the number in my head, and I wrote a story back in late May about how he assembled this, uh, this roster. And, and I want to say it was 41 days from zero players to 13 and, you know, Amazing. 13 scholarship players. And it was, it was like 41 or 42, something ridiculous. And, uh, you know, just the way he went about it and he had this meticulous process and I've heard him on a couple of interviews. Uh, you know, I, I had him in, in uh, late April and he was talking about how he was going about it. He hadn't, and he wasn't near finished yet, but he wanted to get a, a good mix of old, young, a uh, couple of guys back from last year's team, a uh, couple of transfers from his Murray State team, mm-hmm. and he kind of he built it the way he he set out to do it. He had he had like a four step plan: get the get the guys, some guys back, get uh, some transfers, get transfers from other schools with experience on, under their mm-hmm. belt, uh, like Cam Hayes uh, uh, from North Carolina State. Kendall Coleman for Northwestern State. So he got some of these guys that had experience, maybe not necessarily a lot of NCAA tournament experience, except for his own uh, players uh, that he had at Murray. But, you know, he did that, and then he went out and got three or four 
high school, you know, players that, you know, you would have thought the cupboard would have been bare by the time right. he got here to choose from. And he, he was able to get three, four stars out of this group and, uh, and, and a couple of them in the top 75 in the country. So, you know, I, I really like the way he went about it. He, he set up his plan and he, he stuck to it, it looks like, and he, and he got what he needed. Uh, now, of course, we'll all see when it, when it comes down to, uh, you know, November, December, January, February, but, I mean, it looks like he, 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 he and his staff did a pretty good job there. He's got to be able to sell ice to Eskimos. How did he get these kids to, <laughs> to sign off to come to LSU w- without even knowing what the NCAA, whenever it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah. How, what what did he sell to them? I asked him several times that direct question, like, you know, and in fact, I asked him the day he was hired, his introductory news conference. It was my first question of the, uh, of the, of the session. And I said, you know, you got this hanging over your, your, your program. How, how are you going to go about this? And the thing he, he never ever said, and I've never heard him say it. I've, I've heard him on John Rothstein. Lately, mm-hmm. um, he never addresses it. He says it's all about culture. That's his big word. Now, a lot of you know coaches throw that around, but right. he he said it's all about the culture and about what's going to happen from now forward, not what's going to happen. You know, what, not what happened last year, year yeah. before. Now, things could happen six months from now, a year from now, that could be detrimental to his program. But right. I mean, you know, he, he's got a he's looking at it in a positive way, and he's kind of talked these kids into. Hey, let's go out and play and have fun, and whatever happens, happens. And if yeah, you know, if we yeah. get a one-year postseason ban, if we get a a two-year postseason ban, look, you can leave after this year. You you know, you can move right. on if you want. That's right. Um, That's a good point. So, so I think he, I think he didn't want to, you know, he didn't sugarcoat it in any way, and say, oh yeah, I don't think we're going to get any, you know, probation or anything. I think he's he's kind of been, you know, real with these kids, and I think they've kind of liked the way he went about, you know, uh, recruiting them. We all make mistakes. We all hopefully live and learn from our mistakes, and we continue to make mistakes. What, what's the future for Will Wade, in your opinion? Wow, I've, I've been asked that a million times now. So uh, I, I just have no clue whatsoever. I mean, I, I, to me, just depends on how, how this thing all shakes out. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if it's not as bad as a lot of people think it is, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who – you know, were ones that were saying, oh, they have zero players. Well, they got three players back, and they were able to build a roster. You know, a lot of the naysayers might say, well, he's never going to coach again. He's never going to do this again. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he surfaces somewhere like at a junior college or uh, okay. maybe at a uh, an NBA team, you know, coaching a G League team, something like that. And I don't know, you know, I've never had discussions with him if he had any aspirations of coaching you know, in the NBA or being a, you know, a scout or something like that. But I mean, the guy is just too in tune to the game in, in his, in the way he approaches things with his analytics and stuff like that. I mean, right. he's just too much of a student of the game to walk away and put on a, you know, a suit and tie next week and go to work at, you know, an XYZ company as a, right. um, you know, the claims adjuster or whatever, not, nothing yeah. against claims adjusters, but <laughs> He, you know, he's not, he's not wired to be, no. <laughs> I don't think he's wired to be anything but a basketball coach, uh, scout, um, you know, operations it's... director, something like that, or, you know, a teacher. That was what he, you know, he, he got his degree in, in uh, education. So 
you know, if, if nothing else pans out, which I don't foresee, uh, you know, he could always be a teacher. So, uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that seemed like that was his second love behind basketball. It's just, it's like he's, it's like kids that worry about their dad who retires. Well, what is dad who was always busy, always do, what's he going to do now? Uh, I, I can only imagine the soul searching and, and the self evaluating that, that Will has gone through. Uh, at this point in time, I just I'm just wondering how he's handling the uh, one, the lack of of the, what you, the energy that you need to have to have the job that he had and not being in the public eye anymore. That's a tough deal, man. Yeah, it is. And, and to be cut off, you know, cold turkey from it like that, the way, you know, the way it went down, I, I've texted with him a couple of times and. But, you know, we haven't spoken, you know, on the phone, and, and I think that the reason for that is, is he knows I'll ask him, you know, about right. 600 questions in a couple right. of minutes. So I think I think it's in time it's going to, you know, it's going to it's going to come, you know, it's going to it's going to happen in where he's going to talk to somebody. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know when it's going to be, but I imagine he, he won't say anything, you know, at the SEC tournament when, um, you know, a couple of days after the uh, NOA, you know, came out, um, he mm-hmm. said after that, when they beat Missouri in the SEC tournament, he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it, all this when it's over. Well, right. you know, people people thought that meant when he got fired, but I don't think he's going to do any talking right now until all this is cleared up with the NCAA yeah. and he sees what happens. I mean, I, I, I think he, be he believes that maybe, this is just me thinking, but he may be thinking that, hey, they might penalize if I open my mouth. It might penalize right. them more, you know, just for that. And and I'm that's all you. speculation on my part. I have no idea. But uh, I don't think he wants to hurt LSU in any kind of way. I, I'm with you 100%. Than, I, you know, I think it would be foolish, think, yeah. foolish to um, to say anything at this point in time until it's all finally said and done and we know where we go. Um, It's finally going to happen in July. Uh, Pistol Pete's going to join Bob Pettit and uh, Shaquille O'Neal going to have his statue unveiled. Um, named the building after him. Took a while to get a statue. I don't understand that, but hey, it's better late than never. Exactly. I mean, it's it's been long overdue, and um, you know, just like Dale Brown, the, the naming of the court, you know, for Dale was long overdue. So uh, you know, it's been it's been in the works, and I mean, I've I've talked to you know um, you know Pete's sons a couple of times, uh, you know, at, at various events, and you know, they were all looking looking forward to it and uh, for it to happen, and. You know, and, and I think they, they probably, you know, believe, you know, that it shouldn't have taken this long and they're probably right. But, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be nice to see. I'm just kind of surprised that it's only going to be, uh, a month from now. So I wonder, you know, it, it didn't happen like, you know, next January or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to happen quick. So, uh, we'll be seeing another statue up there. And then soon after that, I believe will be, uh, Simone Augustus, uh, that's right. Statue coming soon. So, uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna have some nice statues up there, and it's it's great. I mean, the, the program, the, both programs, men and women, have done some really really good things. Obviously, as you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a nice tribute to all these people: Bob Pettit and Shaquille and Simone and, and uh, Pete, and you know, hopefully, uh, then of course they'll get in the court named after them. So uh, right. it, it's it's good to see the history, and and that's that's one thing that that Will Wade talked about a lot was the history of LSU basketball and matt mcmahon has talked about it a little bit himself um you know that you you want to build off of that there's something there that 
kids can grasp onto when they see, you know, a Shaquille statue or a Simone Augusta statue. So I think I'm it's nothing you. but good for both programs. All right, Sheldon. Well, we'll see if uh, we get more than one Tiger announced tonight. I don't think we will, but Terry Eason's going to have some money in his pocket real, real soon. Thank you so much, man. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Anytime, buddy. Okay. You got it. Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate, back to wrap up our number one next. Uh, the Houston Astros head to the Bronx for a four-game series against the New York Yankees. You can listen to all the exciting action live here on the game. First pitch for tonight's game is set for 6.10 p.m. That's Astros at the Yankees live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. What a matchup. Two, two of the best teams in the American League going up against one another. That is a must-listen-to baseball on the game. Uh, coming up, hour number two, Michael Huguenin will join us from On3.com. We'll talk all things college sports. We'll talk all things NFL with Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. So um, a busy second hour plan for you and yours. Uh, this is the Jordy Helpert Show. We're on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Back for hour number two next. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this uh, Thursday, June 23rd, the year 2022. We were off yesterday because of the Astros game, so a happy belated 75th birthday to the late, great Pistol Pete Maravich. He would have been 75 uh, yesterday. And the news of his uh, the unveiling of his statue to go alongside Shaq and uh, Bob Pettit, July 25th. Um, as we begin our number two, um, since it's not Wednesday, we didn't have him, but we got him today. And that's my main man, Michael Huguenin from On3.com. Michael, um, when I first of all, thank you. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. When I say LSU basketball, what's the first name that comes to your mind? Shaq. Okay. And Maravich would be second. Um, and Pettit. I mean, the, when you think about Shaq, Maravich, and Pettit, um, that's a high-powered trio, man. And <laughs> I, I think if, you know, everybody thinks of LSU as a football school, and it is. But if you were to ask, a lot of hardcore college basketball fans. Um, I don't think they knew where Bob Pettit went to school. Just like I don't think a lot of football fans know that Y.E. Tittle is an LSU yeah. alum. So, um, but you know, having you know, Pettit was an awesome NBA player. Maravich was awesome in college and high level in the NBA, and yeah. Shaq was a like a force of nature. So that's. <laughs> That's three pretty good guys, man. Three pretty good guys. I've always said you take five players from LSU against five players from, from any other school. You add Chris Jackson, 
How about that for a scoring backcourt? Yeah, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf and Pistol and Pete Maravich, in the backcourt. Pettit, Shaq, and, and Michael Huguenin for uh, <laughs> uh, for the LSU Five. I bet you we win a lot of games. Yeah, they were, but again, I think it would be – I don't know if Jackson and Maravich could play together. Because yeah. both those guys <laughs> like to shoot and like to control the ball. But, I mean, yeah. you're right. Chris Jackson, um, he was – I mean, quick tri- – you know, Steph Curry has a – quick trigger, Steve, um, Chris Jackson did as well. I mean, that yeah. ball was that he get oh, gone, shot in the basket already. So um, exceedingly short area quickness was incredible. End-to-end was incredible. Um, yeah, and Maravich, you know, I saw him on TV when I was a kid. Um, and it's weird. I spent part of my childhood in Raleigh where his dad had been an assistant Yep. And a friend of mine actually lived next door to the house that Maravich grew up in. Really? So, yeah. And it still had a basketball uh, rim on the the uh, above the garage door. I actually shot at the same basket. I was told it was the same basket that Maravich shot at. I don't know if that's true or not. But so many... they, they did. You know, this family, that the, my friend's family, was not there when Press Maravich was an assistant in NC State, but people in the neighborhood said, "Oh yeah, Pete would shoot on that basket." So, who knows? Amazing, amazing. Uh, Michael Hugan and on three. All right, the big news: college football. Um, Arch Manning has uh, committed to the University of Texas. Your thoughts on that, and does it mean anything to you? Yeah, I think it. I think it means a little less pressure on Sarkeesian. Um, cause you know, I don't think Arch Manning's the kind of guy that I'm going to Texas. Well, you know, um, I, maybe I'm going to change my mind. And I, I think it's locked in stone. Yeah. He's going to go there. Um, and I think that the idea that if you're selling that idea to Arch Manning and he's buying it, that's a gigantic positive for your program. We all know quarterbacks are like Pied Pipers. Um, you, you get a commitment from a, co- a high level quarterback and other kids want to play for him both in his class and the next two classes. So um, it's, it's, it's obviously a gigantic positive for, for Texas, gigantic positive for the SEC because Texas is coming to the SEC. And yeah. it also means things could get mighty. And if Quinn Ewers has a big-time season, um, that makes things next year interesting. But I think if you sign a guy like Arch Manning or if any five-star quarterback the expectation is, you know, you put them on the field right away, though I would argue it's better for them in the city year. So maybe Arch Manning is fine with sitting a year and backing up yours as a true freshman and then having the job be his for the next two years. Hmm. Very good. Um, LSU got in the hunt a little bit, but they never really were in the thing. So um, you got the, the top two quarterbacks from the state of Louisiana. One's going to Alabama. And one's going to Texas, so that always kind of gets people in this part of the world going. Proud of, uh. yeah, and you know, I live in I live in Florida, um, and Florida and FSU and Miami don't sign anybody from this state anymore. It seems like so, but you're right. I mean, I think Louisiana is different because either you go if you grew up in Louisiana and you want to go to college and play level football, either you go to LSU or you leave. And you're right. I mean, when quarterbacks leave, that makes people grit their teeth. Though, you know, how good is Walker Howard going to be? Um, sometimes, you know, not that that would, nope, you know, Arch Manning's not going to be scared off by anybody. 
but I think it's 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 always important to okay what's already there, what's coming in also down the road. So yeah, I can understand why. But again, I don't. You're right. I mean, did anybody really think that Arch Manning was going to go to LSU? No, 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 no exactly. No. Now the Holstein, maybe that's a little bit different, but um, it's. But again, I think Sarkeesian. Is, a, is is selling an idea. Here's what we're going to be like. Don't look at last year. Mm-hmm. Look at sort of some of the Alabama teams I was the coordinator of. That's what we're going to be if you come play for me, that kind of thing. So he's selling an idea. Now, at some point, that idea has to come to fruition where kids <laughs> quit listening. I'm with you. Mike Hugan on 3.com. You mentioned you live in the state of Florida. So you've got um, LSU's opening opponent this year with Mike Norvell. I think it's his second season in Tallahassee. You got Mario Third. Cristobal Third. first season at Miami. You got Billy Napier first season at Florida of those three. Cause back in the day, Bowden and Spurrier and Erickson, they, they were all great teams, man. But of all those three who've been down and out a little bit, which one comes bounces back quickest. Uh, I think Miami's going to have the best season of the three this year. Um, one, the, the ACC is not overly yeah. strong. Everybody knows that. Um, Crystal Ball did a nice job in the transfer portal. Got a bunch of guys on defense who can help this team. Um, he's got a, the best quarterback of the three in Tyler Van Dyke. Okay. Um, got a not bad offensive line. Did a, did a nice job recruiting in a short amount of time. Uh, I think Miami is the best of the three this year. I think Florida is second best, and I think FSU is third best. FSU, um, you know, they 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 brought in two transfer offensive linemen since the end of spring practice. Wow! And it wouldn't be a shock if both started, which gives you an idea of how mediocre FSU's <laughs> offensive line is. The idea that you could come there, practice for three weeks, and be a starter. Um, that's, that's not good. They, they've done a really poor job of recruiting. Um, and frankly, their, their player development hasn't been all that great either. Um, their passing attack is a gigantic question mark. Um, you know, I, I, if, if you're an LSU fan, oh my God, we might lose to FSU. Um, I, I don't think that's happening. And if it does, that's not good for Brian Kelly because this yeah. FSU team is, I, I think, six and six, seven and five at best. In the ACC. Very interesting. Uh, Michael Huguenin, uh on 3.com. Another, um, it seems like that's all we ever talk about a new recruit for the USC Trojans, uh, new NIL world for prep superstars. He's going to have about a, I don't know, close to a million dollar deal. Malachi Nelson, um, still, still in high school, uh, won't be, you know, has to finish his senior year of high school, but he's got, He's got a pretty good bank account now, nearly a million dollars worth of endorsement deals by the time he enrolls at USC. So it goes on and on and on. This it's never it's not stopping, man. It's not. No, it's it, it's it's not, and um, and it's not going to stop. That that's no. the thing. I mean, the NCA can posture all at once, but you know we've talked to a bunch of people in the NIL space over the last six or seven months. And even in the last two or three weeks, and they all have said if a contract is written correctly, the NCA is not going to have a leg to stand on if they're upset about it. Um, The Austin case makes it clear that there's a lot of stuff that can be done for athletes. 
Um, the, again, you and I talked about this. The, NI, the NCA abdicated its responsibility with NIL. Um, we should be in year seven or eight of NIL already. Things mm-hmm. would have been smoothed out by now. Instead, it's the wild, wild west. Each state has different laws. I saw where some states now, we're not going to let you use NIL as a recruiting inducement. And you're like, well, then not, my school's not going to sign anybody. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a mess and it's i i can't see it getting cleaned up for at least another nine to twelve months but i'm not sure it can ever be cleaned up totally but again i think people are losing fact in some respects players always got money it was just illegal before now it's legal and above board and that irritates people Mike, we I, we've been we just celebrated our tenth birthday party here on the game, and you and I have been doing this well before that. So we we've had a great working relationship for all the years, and I've been saying this from day one, and I, I still think it's going to come into fruition because the NCAA makes all its money, ninety two percent of its money, off of March Madness and the NCAA yeah. basketball tournament. They have nothing to do with bowl games and college football or anything like that. And I've said for the longest time, and I believe it even more so now because of all this NIL and all that the, these power five schools are going to say the heck with you NCAA. We're going to, we're going to start our own deal. We're going to get our own television package. We're going to get our own commissioner. We're going to have our own playoff system. You handle the basketball. We're going to do our own football thing. Am I not, am I crazy to even? No, I think, I, I think something of that nature is coming along. And again, a couple months ago that the NCA had its, you know, we're rewriting our constitution and the athletic director at Caltech, she said, you know what's why do we all basically why do we all need to be under the exact same umbrella and she's right, right. because a division 3 school has absolutely nothing in common with a blue blood college football program right nobody right. at alabama cares what's going on at wheaton college or vice versa so yeah. and the, what what we have found though in the last couple months was that the people who need to worry are the lesser schools in the Power Five leagues? Right. Um, I think I'm not sure I was telling you a show. We, we talked to Tom McMillan, the former basketball player and congressman. He's now basically he runs a group called Lead One, and that encompasses the 131 schools that play FBS football. He deals with their ads and helps them to go, you know, helps them navigate stuff, and is sort of a lobbyist for them. His point is that. Schools within that 131 school group are now sort of making noise. His his example, remember, he went to Maryland. His example is, why would Ohio State and Michigan, who drive all the revenue for the TV contract, want to share equally with Maryland? He used his own alma mater as an example, and he's right. And if you're Alabama or LSU or Florida or Georgia or Texas A&M, why are we sharing this equally with Vanderbilt and Mississippi State? Yeah. So it's the, the, you're right. The disconnect is growing larger even within the FBS ranks. So um, at some point, yeah, you wonder if LSU and Alabama say, we don't care what New Mexico State and Kent State want. We're doing right. what we want to do now. Right. 
I just, I just think that's the way of the world and it's, that's the way we're going. And, uh, you know, the NCAA will take care of the basketball side of things and the baseball side of things. But football, everything but football, that's, you're that's right. Its own and, beast. But I think the 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 idea that it, there would be a lot of ramifications if you know, it, there's a lot of stuff that would have to get done to make sure that football would not be would be would be the only sport that's impacted. Yeah. Everything else would stay the same. But it can be done, and it can be done because there's a lot of money involved. And as everybody knows, in any walk of life, when there's like a lot of money involved, a lot of plans of action are hatched, and eventually one is falling through hard. Mike Hugan and On3.com. With the SEC cutting their new television deal, I'm not sure when that takes uh, effect and when CBS is out of it. Um, isn't CBS going to want to get involved, still, still, still be involved in college football? Who, who do you think yeah, benefits the most yeah. from that? Right, and we talked to, again, we talked to people last year said the exact same thing you did. It's the idea that, okay, CBS says, okay, we're done with the SEC. We're going to throw up our hands and walk away from college football. No, they're not. No. So what, what happens, yeah, when other, when other stuff gets start getting bid on, um, you know, does CBS go to Notre Dame and say, you're making $23 million a year or whatever you're making from NBC? We'll double that. And it, it's the idea that CBS is going to get out of the college football business to me is is ludicrous. Um, I mean, you have all four major networks have a piece of the NFL pie. All four major networks currently have a piece of the college football pie. That's not going to change. So, yeah, it's there's going to be more and more money coming down the pike. Um, and you know, just think what happens when the next NCAA basketball tournament thing goes to market again lord have mercy so so we (laughs) were last year the the we had people run some figures for us the nca probably shortchanged itself by nine billion billion with a b dollars when they re-up with cbs the last time wow (laughs) amazing if if cbs had their pick all right if you were running cbs and you said okay the sec is too expensive we're getting out of that uh, but we're going to take the next best conference from a Big from a Ten. viewership standpoint. Who would you pick? Big Ten. Okay. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, national programs. Penn State's a national program. Um, that's 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 a big deal. That's that's a hugely hugely impactful league, hugely rich league. And people forget the SEC makes a ton of money from its TV deal. Actually, last yeah. year the Big Ten made more. That's so. Right. That is a that is those are the two leagues that those are the two leagues that drive everything else. And frankly, let's get serious. If the if the SEC and Big Ten said we're going to have a thirty team league and we don't care what anybody else does, what what team would you want to watch? Clemson, um, USC, Oregon. Um, you look at the new the newly reconfigured Big Twelve. Who cares right now? TCU right. and Houston, UCF, no, no. and no, the ACC. If FSU and Miami are good, that's one thing. If they're not, it's Clemson and Wake Forest and NC State. Come on! Oof. So yeah. that's how important the Big Ten is. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike Hugan on three dot com. Um, you think Jabari Smith, first pick in the draft from Auburn? You think he's a uh, he's a star in the making? Yeah, he fits. You know, I've. Re- <laughs> I read so much about the Magic's draft potential the last couple of weeks because they obviously I live in Orlando 
Um, it, it's down to supposedly Smith, um, Chet Holmgren, and maybe Mancaro. And it seems like Smith is the guy that the Magic are enamored with the most. That they like long and lean guys who can shoot, big guys who can shoot three that are athletic that are mobile. And presumably he will get more physical and be more willing to bang in the paint as he gets older and more right. fit and add some bulk and strength. Um, Holmgren, I can see the allure of, but right now I think I could cut him in half. <laughs> and I, I actually like Bancaro the best, but he also might have the lowest ceiling of those guys. Yeah. But my goodness, he is, I think he's more polished than the other two right now. Um, I think all three of those guys are going to be good NBA players, but I, I admit I look at I look at them and I don't I'm not 100 percent positive all are going to be stars. The one thing the Magic have had the number one pick three times. They yep. took Shaq, they took Chris Webber, and immediately traded him for Penny Hardaway, and they took Dwight Howard. So all three of the guys they take in number one have been hugely successful NBA players. So they're hoping that continues. Yeah, uh, we shall see. So the SEC will be the, uh, the leader in that, and we'll have one SEC team in the College World Series, Oklahoma, waiting to take on the winner of today's game between Ole Miss and Arkansas, bottom of the first. Um, Arkansas is at bat and uh, scoreless right now. Mike Bianco, that's, that's I guess, a classic story. Uh, they, they were ready to fire him, and now they're talking yeah, contract they were the la- guess what? They were the last team in the field, yep. maybe? So yep. as, as an who are LSU fans pulling for? Arkansas or Ole Miss? Ole Miss. Bianco was a really? was okay. a catcher at o, at LSU. Right. He was an okay. assistant coach there. So everybody's putting on their hotty toddy shirts around here. Okay. Well, not that far. Okay. <laughs> now, will they pull for Oklahoma in the final, regardless? Uh, I, I'm no, they'll pull for the mind. SEC team. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll pull I, for I, the. I don't, well, I don't know why I, people know. do that. I don't know. Yeah, if I'm LSU, I don't got... want another team that I play every single season winning the College World Series. Yeah, but that's true. That's true. Uh, well, SEC can say we got we got an All SEC final, and and, and kind of in yeah, a way no it would be true. Coming. So yep, no question. So we we shall see. Michael Huguenin, uh, even on a Thursday, it's great. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Always enjoy. It. Thanks, man. All right, man. That's Michael Huguenin on three dot. Come. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back, have a little short segment, and then we'll get the Schwab talking NFL stuff after this time out on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. <laughs> time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 23rd, 2003. San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds steals second base against the Los Angeles Dodgers to become the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 500 career homers and 500 steals. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 26 minutes after the hour, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. For example, a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. 
How about a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House? Or how about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? But you can only score these great prizes <clears throat> excuse me, by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Can Aaron Judge uh, get to 60 home runs this year? He is, um, man, he is tearing things up in Major League Baseball, and, and, and as are the Yankees. So, again, remember, the, the Astros and the Yankees get things uh, underway tonight. Um, and when you look at Major League Baseball and their power rankings, it's still very, very early. But the Yankees at 51 and 18 are um, head and shoulders above everybody else by this, at this point in the season with with what the experts in baseball are saying, no holes about this Yankees team. They lead Major League Baseball in home runs. Their rotation leads the league in earned run average. Uh, they are they are special. They are special. The Mets are ranked number two. The Dodgers are ranked number three. And the Astros are ranked number four. Uh, that Astros offense has started to roll after a um, kind of an uncharacteristic slow start, right? Um, but Houston's offense is starting to take shape, and they got some fringe MVP candidates in Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. So um, if, you, if you look at the top four in the AL, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Mike Trout, Alvarez, Tucker, just outside of those front runners, they're in there. So the, the, uh, uh, the bats are starting to come around, particularly Alvarez in June. Uh, hitting 443 with an AL leading 23 RBI. So it should be a great, great series starting tonight. And you can listen to it right here on the game. Uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. First pitch set for 610 tonight. Um, man, what a series. What a series in the Bronx. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, speaking of baseball uh let's get you an updated score here at the college world series uh top of the second scoreless Ole Miss and Arkansas the Travelers Championship round one uh in progress and right now Rory McIlroy is uh leading he shot a uh first round 62 he is at eight under Xander Shoffley Martin Laird 63s they are at seven under so rory off to a great start in connecticut at the travelers championship um eight million three hundred thousand dollar purse uh as the as the pga tour uh, promises to start paying more to try and uh they can't keep up with the live tour but they're trying to keep uh they're trying to keep their people happy and keep them uh, around and not have the, them defect over to the live tour. So um, there's some stuff right there. All right. So let's take a quick time out here. I, I promise we'd get to the Schwab. We'll talk all things uh, NFL. He's doing his uh, team reports. I'm curious to see as he deep dives into the New Orleans Saints, as he, if he's come my way and think that the Saints have been a little bit underrated. We, we'll get the Schwab's take on that and much, much more. Um is it wise to keep Baker Mayfield? 
Might be. You might not have your quarterback for a year. Maybe. We'll delve into all NFL stuff after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We uh Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 36 minutes after the hour. Uh, normally, if you're in the news at this time of the year when it involves the NFL, usually it's it's not good news, but uh, we're still going to talk all about it with our good friend from Yahoo Sports, um, Mr. Frank Schwab. Frank, thank you for the time, buddy. How are you? Good, good. What's going on? Oh, just, um, okay, so we talked about it last week, um, and now Roger Goodell, uh, you know, has to go on a, on a zoom call to, um, the political world, um, Congress at a hearing of the house committee on oversight and reform about, uh, Mr. Snyder of the Washington commanders. Snyder wasn't there. Uh, it's just a bad look all the way around again. Yeah, I mean, literally nobody involved looks good here, and that includes Congress, who honestly has better things to do than worry about right. what the Washington football team is doing. But, I, you know, honestly, this is the NFL's fault, and here's why. They should have gotten rid of Snyder a long time ago. Like, once you drag along Daniel Snyder, after he's given you many, many, many reasons to dump him and move on, get a better owner in there, Get and that's not just I, not just as a guy, but this is being cynical. A better guy for their business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Washington football team has uh, just kind of uh, it's still a profitable NFL team because NFL teams could you know screw every single thing up and still make money. But you get the feeling like that that's a, a hidden gem right now because they have a terrible stadium. They're not selling it out. Fans are jumping ship. And that's because Daniel Snyder, there's one guy responsible for that. So even if the NFL wanted to use all the other stuff, the harassment stuff as an excuse to get him out of there, they should have done it. They should have done it years ago. They keep dragging him along for some reason, and now this is what you get. Because you have to stand up for that guy, now all of a sudden Congress is getting involved in your business and your commissioner is on a Zoom call with him. This is 100% on the NFL. Like this, I, I, get, yeah, I shouldn't say 100%. I mean, obviously, Daniel Snyder could have acted like a somewhat professional, but the NFL has a lot of – I don't feel bad for the NFL. Don't feel sorry for the NFL. Don't feel sorry for Roger Goodell. They should have handled their business a long time ago. I hate to sound like a Hollywood movie, but do you think Daniel Snyder has a little black book with 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 yeah. incriminating things against some of his fellow owners? And that's why they're not doing anything. I think there that's twofold. I think that, yes, I think that they are worried that Daniel Snyder would air out some laundry on them. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. It's logical. Right. And I think the other part of it is and this doesn't speak well to the ownership of the NFL, but I think that there's so many incompetent owners that they're like, well, if the, if we get rid of Daniel Snyder for being a bad owner, am I going to lose my team next because I stink? Right. Because I'm not really running my team that well, and I have skeletons in my closet. So I think 
half, two-thirds of the league is probably like, we don't want to set a Daniel Snyder precedent because we're just as bad as him. We don't want to get get ousted wow. next. I mean, it's wow. it's just a mess. I, but, majority as we sit here, and I, I feel like I've said this to you on your show five, six times now. I can't understand for the life of me why Daniel Snyder is still an NFL owner. I just, yeah. what good does it, what good is the NFL getting out of him? That's, Nothing. I live in Denver. The Denver Broncos just sold for over four billion. That yeah. team might sell for six, eight. Yeah. Like, I, that's the kind of, it's a way more valuable franchise than the Denver Broncos. Uh, but you, you have no problem finding an owner. Why? So why? Why Daniel Snyder of all people are, are the one why? is the one you're yeah. protecting and now having to go up in front of Congress and answer about why? It. Why if you're Daniel Snyder, why don't you just take the money and just go disappear and live your life yeah. and enjoy the world instead of being under this microscope and this scrutiny? It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Right. See, with that, I, I actually get that one because. Look, I mean, this is ego. Not many people, yeah, ego. Not many people get. Look, if I own an NFL team, I hold on to it with a death grip too. Like, I mean, I wouldn't get rid of it. I, and that thing, I would run that thing till the day I died because there's only 32. You're and, and Daniel Snyder grew up a Washington fan. That's why I honestly yeah. never felt like he would change the nickname because it was personal to him. He grew up. His dad brought him to, to Washington games and all that kind of stuff. So. I mean, eventually that happened, but as far as selling the team, I think that there's no way he'd voluntarily do it. But as we've seen with Jerry Richardson, sometimes you don't need a guy to voluntarily give it up. Sometimes you, you could say, no, this is happening. We're forcing a sale right now. And, and honestly, I think that should have happened with Daniel Snyder a few years ago. He is uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. If it uh, sounds like a duck and it walks like a duck, it must be a duck. Um, why? Why is Deshaun Watson settling all these lawsuits if he says, I've done nothing wrong? Yeah, and that's, I mean, I hate assigning guilt to a guy because he settles a bunch of lawsuits, even 20 of them, because it's like, I, I, are, I guess, logical reasons to settle if, if you don't feel like you're 100% guilty, but you don't want to go in court, whatever. But yes, I mean, at this point, it's hard to believe in Deshaun Watson's innocence, let's put it that way. So, you know, and everybody's trying to figure out, like, what does it mean? Like, okay, settled these lawsuits. What does it mean as far as NFL suspension? Does it help? Does it hurt? And I don't think it matters at all. I think the NFL, honestly, I think the NFL's made up its mind by now, and I think that they've figured out it's going to be a long suspension. I don't know what the, the number games they've settled on is, but I don't think that it moves the needle at all. I don't think that they're like, well, he settled all of these. That means it's going to be, that means it's an admission of guilt. He's going to get a longer suspension. I don't think so. I think that they've they've already decided this is what we're going to do. Now, why why they're waiting, I'm not exactly sure. Probably yeah. dotting, you know, dotting I's crossing T's, but Yes, I do. I don't think that I don't think him settling actually makes a difference as far as the NFL suspension goes. I think it's right. going to be uh, be a really, really long one, regardless of that. What What is a fair? What 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 do you think the NFL thinks? I mean, they've done x amount of games for you know sneezing. Um, yes, <laughs> which has been in the the public eye for a long time now. What's the what What do you think they think is the right thing, the fair thing to do? And I think they're probably wrestling with that with the union a little bit because I think there's going to be an unprecedented suspension. If you're asking me, look, I don't really – they're all so hard to read with this stuff. They're so right. unpredictable. There's no rhyme or reason sometimes to what they do. So what will the NFL do? I don't know. But what would I do? I'd give them two years. I mean, I think that 
Because right now, Deshaun Watson has no allies. Like, there's not one part. If you've suspended Deshaun Watson two years, I don't think there's really anybody aside from a small vocal minority on Twitter who would really, like, argue against it. I think everybody would kind of applaud it a little bit and say, wow, the NFL finally uh, it did something. You give him any less than two years, which is what Major League Baseball gave Trevor Bauer. I think that that yeah. looms over this. Everybody's yeah. going to compare the two. Everybody's going to say, well, why, you know, why did. Major League Baseball, you have Trevor Bauer, and it was only one woman, not 66. And I yeah. think they're just – the NFL's gotten ripped for this issue so often through the years. Why fall on the sword for Deshaun Watson this time? Because if they right. give him, let's say, eight games, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's say eight games, I, every single person in the world stops talking about Deshaun Watson and starts talking about the NFL and how they don't take this yes. seriously. Yes. Why, why deal with that? Why, if you're in the yes. NFL – and people say, like, oh, ratings. The NFL's ratings are going to be fine. Like, yeah, they, there are some Browns games are going to have lower ratings because they're going to be worse off without Sean Watson. That doesn't put a dent in the NFL. Like, the NFL, no. this is just, it looks to me anyway, like, cynically, honestly, a win-win for them where they can just hammer him with a long suspension, be able to kind of tell everybody, hey, look, we do take this seriously. Let the union be the bad guy fighting it. I, I don't get it. And, I, and my... My uh, my coworker Charles Robinson on a podcast. I hadn't even really thought of this angle, and I completely agree with him. You cannot give Deshaun Watson less than you gave Calvin Ridley. You just can't. Like I, I can't even imagine the reaction if Calvin Ridley gets a year for betting two hundred dollars on parlays or whatever it was, yeah. and Deshaun Watson gets less than a year. Like you can't. You deserve no, to you be just right. whatever you get at That's... that point, whatever criticism you get at that point, NFL, you deserve it. So there's yeah. no way in my mind it's less than a year, and I think two years is totally justifiable. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, kind enough to join us. I read an article and I just wanted your thoughts on it. Um, I, I forgot about Dick Vermeil and how he retired from the NFL at just 46 years old. He was burnt out. He said he was eroding. Came back 14 years later, <laughs> 14 years yeah. later. And won a Super Bowl. There was so much change in the game between his retirement and him coming back. It's got to be one of the more remarkable coaching stories that doesn't get enough notoriety. You're right. And and the 99 Rams being one of the teams that, I mean, if, if we're talking about coaches, uh, we're giving coaches credit for you know taking teams out of nowhere and bringing them a championship. Well, Dick Vermeil yeah. in 1999, I mean, the Rams were... Uh, 200 to 1 to win it all before the season started, whatever they were after Trent Green got hurt, did a remarkable job. Just a guy connected with his players really well, really smart offensive mind. I mean, think about it from, for me, I was born in 1976, and, you know, I mean, Vermeil retired 82, 83, whatever it was. Yeah. I knew Dick Vermeil as a college football announcer. He was really me good. Too. Like, I think he worked yeah. at Brett Musburger for years, and I didn't know that. I had an entire, basically, childhood without Dick Vermeil being a coach, and then he comes back, like you said, and, and wins a Super Bowl. Great game, great team, great story. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is is one of the unique individuals in the game. By all accounts, a pretty good guy, and just you know, yeah, it's it, he's he just had this fun, great story. I did find it weird that the, he said like I think he uh, is going into the Hall of Fame as an Eagle because they made him pick. Like, I don't know why they make him pick. It's not like he was wearing a hat yeah. like in baseball. It's it yeah. is interesting to me that he identifies more with the Eagles and the Rams who he won that Super Bowl with. But yeah. uh, beloved in in Philly, probably beloved in St. Louis, I assume for bringing him that title and just just a great, great story and a guy who had a very full football life. I'll tell you that. God, I remember seeing his Eagles in the Super Bowl get bludgeoned bludgeoned yeah. 
with Ron Jaworski. And then he, then he coached the guy who was uh, bagging groceries at the grocery store. Now he's unbelievable. Um, Kurt Warner got a movie named after yeah. him. Just amazing story. Amazing. Yeah, we probably don't give enough credit. To, I mean, the 99 Rams are probably, I mean, off the top of my head, the the, the best team. sports story. As far as any champion you can name in any sport, I mean, maybe if you're going to like EPL, the year uh, Leicester, however you pronounce it, they won the title at the crazy odds. Maybe that's bigger in sports. But yeah. as far as like Northern American sports and a great story, a champion coming out of nowhere, I mean, <laughs> you lose a quarterback in the preseason, you put somebody in there who nobody has ever heard of. I'm so, I don't care how, unless you're a Northern that's Iowa right. alum, that's right. and you win a Super Bowl, and that guy wins an MVP. Just yeah. We're never going to see that again in our lifetime. And one of the great, you know, they had five slam jamma with the Houston uh, Cougars, and he had the greatest show on turf. I mean, two great nicknames. It was just, just great. They don't give enough credit uh, to that. Uh, Frank Schwab joining us. Hey, what's up with your avalanche? Got to cheat to win a game. What's up with that? <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Like I, you know, I was, I was out you know, reveling and, uh, you know, watching the Az game, everybody celebrated when they won. And I, I didn't know the, the, this whole controversy even happened until this morning. I, I you know, kind of, okay, the Az won, I'm going to go about my rest of my night. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's much to do about nothing. I think the right team won. It was that weird goal. Nobody knew what happened or anything, but yeah, I, I, I looked it up this morning just to, just for kicks. Cause I definitely wasn't going to, pay but cheapest seat in the house for game five fourteen hundred dollars for the upper deck fourteen hundred for game five unless you're sending me that unless you're sending me some uh that's Venmo why, or something that's why frank I, is up I against up the glass there, but... i understand i know how you roll big guy <laughs> This is, it's been, I mean, Denver is a good hockey town. It is. I mean, there's a lot of Avs fans here. Um, when I mentioned the Goose, great. Tony Saragusa, boy, 55 years young, man. What what a personality, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is just, it's been, it, it just, it, it's great, isn't it? it? It's really fun this time of year. Ah, I tell you what. Um all right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Uh, thank you so much. And look, just don't talk bad about Pat Mahomes because uh, you're going to get death threats. Tyree Kill says, I'm, I'm going with uh, my quarterback in Miami, and he's better than Pat Mahomes. What? What? Yeah, yeah, don't, don't. Uh, we, we can't, like, let's not compare Patrick Mahomes and Tua, okay? Like, uh, <laughs> it's not even fair to Tua. Like, let's just let that no. sleep a dog lie. But, yeah, like, no. Tyreek, I get it. I get what you're trying to do. But, no, no, let's not go down no. that road, buddy. All right, you go, you go revel at those uh, high-priced seats and watch the Avalanche wrap this thing up. Uh, it's always fun, my man. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Have a great rest of your week. We'll do, Jordy. All right, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, kind enough to uh, to join us. And let's see, we've got um, updated baseball score. Oh, come on, where are you? Here we go, here we go, here we go. Uh, end of three, they're going to the fourth inning, still scoreless. Don't tell me pitching doesn't matter. Pitching means everything, especially this time of the year. And that was LSU's problem. They just didn't have the pitching. Anyway, all right, we'll, uh, we'll be back. We'll wrap everything up with a couple of uh, birthday wishes when we return. The Jordy Hulford Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros. We're your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Johnson throws. Bute's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. 
You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers. All right, finishing touches. Here's my daily Kyrie Irving update. Uh, according to sources, if Irving can't reach an agreement to stay with Brooklyn, Kyrie has a list of teams he'd like Brooklyn to consider on sign and trades, including the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Mavericks, and the 76ers. Thank you, Kyrie. Uh, none of those teams have the cap space to sign him without the Nets' help. Wow. Uh, amazing. We have a poll question up. How many games will the Astros win in the Bronx? Zero, one to two, or three? Get one and be done. Get one and be done. I'll say. Anyway, special thanks to our guest, Ali Cassell. Uh, talk about the Pelicans in the eighth pick in the draft tonight. Sheldon Mickles about the LSU Tigers and the job Matt McMahon has done. Uh, Michael Hugan and all things college sports from On3.com and Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on the latest in the NFL. Um, if today is your birthday, June 23rd, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. LaDainian Tomlinson, 43 years young, and the former Ragin' Cajun, Brandon Stokely, 46 years old. Boy, that possession wide receiver, pretty darn good. Yep. So, Brandon Stokely, happy birthday. Um, James, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for putting up with my throat and my voice and my cough. I greatly appreciate all of y'all for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. And um, come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great station, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until next time. I'm Jordy Helperg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Trust me. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. I'm going straight to bed right after this thing. Um, let's be kind to one another, and uh, let's be happy. Until tomorrow. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.